0: Would you please follow along with me as I read from Isaiah 46, 8 through 13. This is God's holy word. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all of my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of counsel from a far country. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. This is God's holy and inspired Word. It contains all that we need for faith and for life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our Lord abides forever. Let's again pray. I ask, O oh Lord, that you, that you craft me as a vessel To extending yourself glory. I ask, O Lord, that you speak through me. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. In the shorter Catechism, question and answer seven, what are the decrees of God? Answer, the decrees of God are His eternal purposes, according to the counsel of His own will, whereby for His glory He hath foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. I believe that this passage affirms in Isaiah 46 all that the shorter catechism affirms. God has an eternal, and immutable purpose that He sets in motion in time. It is good and it is a wise plan. It is also efficacious and sovereign plan, and He foreordains whatsoever comes to pass. And that includes Jesus Christ and your salvation. So that all that is left to do is ascribe to Him glory that he desires and deserves. If you embrace this, it is a very humbling message that leaves you to ask, why me? But furthermore, it is an assuring message that assures you of the love of God experienced through Jesus Christ that can never be separated, not even from death itself. So let us state the doctrine in full you can find this in your bulletin. Um, God has a plan that is eternal, good, wise, unchangeable, efficacious, and sovereign. Let me repeat that. God has a plan that is eternal, good and wise, unchangeable, efficacious, and sovereign. So let's move now to the exposition. This passage begins in verse 8 and 9. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. The Lord speaks of remembrance in this passage. Remember that I am God and that there is no other. The evidence of this is that I have a plan. I have a good purpose. Remember that, and you shall stand fast. Remember that I have a past for you, and that I have a future. I declare the end from the beginning. Let us speak of this God that has a plan. God has a plan. The text makes clear that God has a plan. In verse 10, God makes this clear when he speaks of my counsel. And the same verse says that it is my purpose. Verse 11 says, again, my counsel. And also in verse 11, I have purposed. These are all indications of God's purpose or plan. However, not that God has a plan, but that God's plan is eternal. Let's look at God's eternal plan. Verse 10 declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things not yet done. The Hebrew reads like this declaring from the beginning the end, from eternity. God declares this purpose, or plan, from beginning to end. This is a reference to the first page of the Bible, and indeed, the very first word. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. From the beginning of time, God declared the end. The things that would come in the future. That is, from eternity, God states His final end. From the very beginning, God states the end of history. This is an amazing and mysterious concept. However, it is plainly stated in the text. Eternity is spoken of in parallel terms as declaring the end from the beginning, but also from ancient times, things not done, things not yet done. Micah 5.2 gives another reference to this. It reads, Whose coming forth is from old, excuse me, from of old, from ancient days. This is the way the Old Testament speaks of eternity. Before time began, God had a set purpose for all things that have been made, so that God can declare things not yet done. Let me just give you a few examples of that. That the Lord's plan is eternal. Isaiah 37, verse 26. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what I now bring to pass. 31, Jeremiah 31, 31.3 The Lord appeared to me from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I continue in my faithfulness to you. Amos 3, 6-7 recounts, Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? For the Lord God does, not, does nothing without revealing His secret, His secret to His prophets. These proof texts come from the New Testament as well. 2 Timothy 1, 9 God saved us. And called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And also, uh, first, Peter 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and Verse 20, He was known before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in the last times for your sake. Finally, Ephesians 1 4 recalls, He chose us from before the foundation of the world. God's plan was eternal and was foreknown before the ages. From eternity, he declared the end from the beginning. Further, God's plan is good and wise. The goodness of the goodness and wisdom of God's purpose are further alluded to in verse ten. The Hebrew scriptures have various translations for verse ten, uh, which include and I will accomplish all my purpose or I will do all that I desire. Another rendering is all my good purposes, I will do. Or in the Septuagint, it speaks of the good pleasure of God. In any event, the reference is to God's good purpose, or desire, or wise will. These things are consistent with God's communicable attributes, I said that right this time. Um, let us spend a little time. Go. Let us spend. I'm sorry, I messed up because I lost the reference on the page. Um. So we should spend a little time discussing God's good or wise plan. God's plan is good. What person, if he recognizes that the Bible is inspired, the inspired word of God would question this. The scriptures everywhere speak of God's goodness. Psalm thirty-one, nineteen: Great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 110, verse 5. For the Lord is good. And finally, Jesus says in Mark 10.18, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. God is good indeed. Also, God's plans are wise. What person, if he recognizes that the Bible is the inspired word of God, can charge him with not being wise? Psalm one forty seven five great is our lord and abundant in strength his understanding is infinite proverbs 3:19 the lord by wisdom founded the earth or romans 16:27 to the only wise god but more to the more to the point of god's wisdom in his plans paul writes but we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Perhaps Paul had Isaiah 46 in mind when he wrote this. All of God's plans are good and, and wise. Furthermore, God's plans are unchangeable or immutable. Verse 10b says, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from afar, uh, a far country. These verses imply that God's plan is unchangeable, that what God says, he will invariably do, that things declared from eternity, will actually come to pass unchangeably. What what God says he will do, he actually accomplishes in time. He says, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purpose. It is an unchangeable plan. If you ask me, uh, what are your plans for Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. I could say our plan is to go to the beach and visit our family. But it depends on whether or not COVID cases spike or if someone is sick or it depends on the traffic or if when we are driving, we have an accident and, or a variety of reasons that can't be uh, predetermined. Our plans can change, but this is not true of God. His plans never change because God is never ignorant, nor ever lies. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? He never lies. He never changes his mind. He never. His plans are immutable. God gives us an example of that. After the Babylonians destroy Judah and Jerusalem, the God, the Babylonians not, will not stand for long. Seventy years and the Babylonians will fall. And God will call the Persians, and He will call Cyrus, with whom He speaks of in Isaiah 45 1. Thus says the Lord to His anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before Him, and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before Him, that gates may not be closed. I will go. Before you, etc. All the commentaries that I had read previously believe this bird of prey from the east is Cyrus, the man of my counsel from a far country. And through him, the Babylonians will be crushed by the Persian army and by the man of my counsel, Cyrus. God gives Cyrus as an an illustration that God will accomplish his immutable, unchangeable plans for Babylon and Cyrus, the king of Persia. God's plan is unchangeable. I have purposed it. My counsel will stand. God's plan is also efficacious. This plan takes effect every time, without exception. Verse 11, I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Does God speak and not bring it to pass? Does He ever purpose and does not go through with it? God's plan is efficacious. God's plan takes effect every time. It may be through secondary causes. But God's plan always comes to pass. If you come and ask me for something in the future, and I agree, I may forget it completely. Or I may not have power to perform it. To perform it. That is, I may not be efficacious. But God never purposes something that will not come to pass. His plans are effectual Every time. And lastly, God's plan is sovereign. This is indicated by the use of terms Elohim and El. In verse 9, that indicate His power and His strength. God is God, and there is none other. Clothed in power and strength and might. So, this indicates that God's plan is sovereign. He doesn't need any help from the creature. Look at the I's or me's or my's in this passage as I read. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purposes. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. There is no room for creaturely participation in these statements. God makes these plans without any opinion from the creature. This is kingly language. This language contains that God's plan is independent or autonomous or self-determining without any dependence on the creature. He is completely autonomous and independent. This is the reason why the faithful reader can remember these and recall them to mind and take heart because they recall that God is God. And there is no other, and He has a plan. And this plan is eternal, good and wise, and it is unchangeable. It is effectual, and God's plan is sovereign. So, what applications can we derive from this? God has made... Plans for everything. If God has foreordained everything in an eternal, wise, good, and unchangeable and sovereign plan, this suggests that God has made plans for everything. If God has made eternal plans and He speaks the end from the beginning, it means that He has plans and purposes for everything and for everyone. If God has made plans for everything, that anything anything that happens to you is good and wise. Romans eight twenty eight speaks of this, and we know that for all things who love God and are called according to his purpose, for those excuse me, and we know that for those who love God. God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. Many people, many people will say, everything happens for a good reason, or everything happens for a good purpose. Yet in this, there is a caveat, for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. If you are not a Christian, you cannot say this with certainty. Not to those who believe, not to those who don't believe, nor embrace God. Everything happens for a reason. There can be no doubt of that. But God declares all things from the beginning to the end. And if you are an unbeliever, it may not qualify as good. The good that pa- that Paul speaks of in speaking of this who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who dies. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Skip skip a couple of verses. If God has loved us from eternity past, He will love us unto eternity future. If you suffer, it doesn't mean that God loves you less. It means that your suffering is not in vain and is not for a good purpose. It means that good will come from this. You may not know what that good is, but God promises that good will come. And if if He loves us, nothing in creation will be able to stop His love for us, not even death itself. Further, if God has foreordained everything in 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 an eternal, wise, good, unchangeable, and sovereign plan, this suggests that this includes Jesus Christ. Acts Two twenty-two 22 to 23 says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Did you hear that? Jesus was delivered by the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Peter said that Jesus was delivered up, delivered up by the definite plan, eternal uh, eternal and unchangeable plan, and it was foreknown by God. Yet God did not hold the Pharisees and the scribes guiltless. This is a, a perfect example of the sovereignty of God and human responsibility. The crucifixion was according to the definite plan of God, but in a mysterious way, holding the guilty responsible. Also in Acts four twenty-seven through twenty-eight, for truly in this city there were gathered together your holy your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and, and the place of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. This contains a prayer from the early church and they acknowledge that all things that happened, everything was according to a predestined plan of God. Furthermore, if God has foreordained everything in an eternal, wise, good, unchangeable and sovereign plan, this suggests that this also includes your salvation in Christ. Paul speaks of your salvation in Christ in these words For those for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the first for, firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined he also called and they those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified Romans 8:29 or 28 and following I like this verse He foreknew you and predestined you and called you and justified and glorified you He speaks of glorification as if it is as if it has already happened. Like Isaiah 46, this is literally declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done. This is also indicated in uh, Acts 13.48. And when Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life, believed. And more to the point, the King James Version says, as many as were ordained to eternal life, believed. As many were appointed or ordained or predestined to eternal life, and no others, believed. God who plans, declaring the end from the beginning, for your salvation from eternity. By way of conclusions, by way of a conclusion, perhaps you are an unbeliever or you have been skeptical of this sermon. Then may I encourage you that you should not attempt to peer into the mind and secret counsels of God and see if you are predestined. That is not what I encourage you to do. If you are an unbeliever, we we just exhort you to believe now. We exhort you to believe in Jesus now and in the Gospel now. Rest and receive Jesus now. Jesus said to you, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So believe now. and if you believe, know that God is love and has loved you first. Believe that uh, the epistle of First John 4:10, "In this is love, not that we have loved, we, not that we have loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins." Did you hear that? Not that we have loved God, but first and foremost, God has loved us and sent his Son for us, when as yet you were not a twinkling in your mother's eye. God has foreordained everything in an eternal, wise, good, unchangeable, and sovereign plan. This includes all things, even of Christ himself, and even your salvation. There is nothing left to do but there is nothing left to do but ascribe to him glory for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let us pray. Great heavenly Father, We come to you acknowledging that you have an eternal and unchangeable plan. We desire to give glory only to you for this plan, which includes the sending of your son to live and die in our place. And this plan includes our salvation in Christ. Therefore, we wish to give you glory for our salvation. And if anyone is not a believer in Jesus, Make them come to Jesus now. For Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. We pray that You draw anyone who is an unbeliever to Jesus. We ask all these things in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen.